Alright, happy Tuesday! No, this is Monday. I usually don't record on Mondays. So, happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 252 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So, if you are brand new, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and helping you clear what's ever in your path to what it is you want to accomplish in this lifetime. But first, we got a couple things going on today. It is Halloween, so happy Halloween. Those of you celebrating, stay safe, be safe. And it's also my mother's birthday. So happy birthday, Mom. Without you, I wouldn't be here. So thank you, and I love you. And so today, we're going to talk about how to heal from past pain. So you guys know in 2020, I started my own program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud, where it helps people take, take whatever it is that you've gone through, and we pluck out the teachable moments, and we help you turn that into something that can help other people, whether it's blogs, whether it's writing a book, whether it's becoming a speaker or getting on podcasts. But you can do a lot with those, those teachable moments within the, within the pain. right? And so my guest today does something very similar. And so we're going to have a really, really great conversation about how to heal from past pain. So we'll bring it in, certified divorce coach Kelly Calabrese. Hey, Robert. Did I say it right? You did. Okay. I doubted, I doubted myself right as I was going in for it. So I was like, all right, let me just try. <laughs> uh, you got it. You nailed it. <laughs> How are you doing today? Outstanding. Fabulous. Love it. So first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to come and share with us. I think we're, we're going to easily knock this topic right out of the park. So, But first and foremost, let's get to know you a little bit better. So uh, how would you describe yourself? Uh, well, Robert, I'm so happy to be here. So thank you. This is always fun. I am an empowerer. I am a healer. I am an overcomer. I am battle tested. And I'm a warrior. And I'm a mom. Battle tested. I love that word. In all of these episodes, no one's ever said battle-tested. Battle-tested, peace-filled. <laughs> That's another big one. Peace-filled. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So where does this resilience come from? You know what? Nobody said life would be easy. And if anyone did, they lied to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Life is going to be hard. There's going to be struggle. It's not all hard and it's not all struggle, but nobody escapes there being difficulty. And we have a choice with what we do with the difficulty. And it's interesting when you see something hard happen to two people, they can handle it very differently. Two people can have a car accident. Two people can get divorced. Two people can go bankrupt. But the ones that can get knocked down 10 times and get up 11, those are the ones who just have a much better life, more fulfillment, yes. more happiness, more joy, more peace, uh, more productivity, and they live. And I've watched the ones who chose not to get back up again, and it literally will kill you. Literally, people will die from not being resilient and getting back up again when they just don't readjust in a healthy way. Yeah, just a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about stress and, you know, the, the effects of stress on the body. And you're 100% spot on. I, I always say people people keep themselves. And, I'll, and I'm not talking about the special cases because, you know, people will come out and say, well, what about this? What about that? I'm just talking about in general. People keep themselves in, in this state because they don't address the problem, you know, or, or when, in reference to pain, 
they don't want to revisit the pain to, to get those teachable moments, you know? So, so you're stuck in this, in this perpetual depression, you know, and, and anxiety because you didn't actually go in and face what, what happened, you know, like a quick case in point with, when people deal with death, you know, it's like death is awful. You know, it's awful, but it's also going to happen to all of us, <laughs> you, know, you know? So it's like, just, if you can just accept what is, and then how can we move forward in an inspirational way? It helps to lessen the effects of that depression. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. And I love how you said you have to expose it. I was actually uh, coaching a guy the other night who had a pornography addiction for a long, long time. It was mm. bad. It, there are levels of pornography addiction. His was bad. Yeah. And I said, how'd you get out of it? And he said, I had to expose it. Yeah. And so Putting it out there in the light, taking it out of that dark place helped him to heal because, you know, certain things we can hide and we can keep pressing things down. But whatever we press down when life gets hard and the stress hits, that's what comes out of us. So if it's bitterness, if it's depression, if it's anger, when we get squeezed, that's what comes out. So we want to make sure we're always putting good things in. But if you're pressing down all these things, these things you're harboring, feelings, anger, resentment, it's going to just keep rearing its ugly head and it just gets worse. I mean, as you get older, it gets multiplied. So now you're blowing through friends and roommates and jobs and, you know, whatever (laughs) else, because there's some affliction there that you are not dealing with. And it will come back to rear its head over and over and over and over and over unless it's exposed. Yes, like it's never the sock on the floor, (laughs) you know, know, between between two married people or dating people. It's never the sock on the floor. (laughs) There's something else that's been in there for a long time where that sock just tipped it (laughs) right over. That's right. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So let's talk about your divorce. But before we get there, how did you and your your ex-husband meet? So I used to own health clubs. I had a chain of health clubs that I owned in the Northeast and I managed corporate fitness centers and I founded a school. So he was a member of my health club and I had just finished uh, three college degrees with high honors. I was taking the year off and I was going to go back and get my PhD and he kind of bounced in and uh, swept me off my feet, so to speak, in a very quick manner. And within a month or so, we were engaged. And within a year, we were married. And so it happened pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were married for 25 years, had two beautiful children. And so, yeah, we met at my health club. Okay. So how did things go south? You know what? I, I really was blindsided when he came home after 25 years and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. Wow. And I definitely was just really shocked by that. And, and were we you know, perfectly happy? Was it amazing? Were we so in love? No. You know, it was kind of a slow fade looking. I don't think either one of us were really happy, but I also didn't think things were that bad. And we were in a season in our life where our kids were about to go off to college. And so I was dreaming about, you know, the next season of, you know, let's downsize the house and have a vacation home, you know, all those things. And he had very different thoughts. And so he served me with divorce papers and we were divorced within a month. A few months later, he was reengaged. And a few months later, he was remarried. Whoa. It was an assault of insult of, you know, the kids going sideways and moving and, 
you know, not really being able to focus on my business and just a season of really unreasonably difficult things from car accidents, broken bones, broken teeth, sick pet. I mean, it was just like, you know, an assault. Wow. (laughs) I don't even know where to start with all that. (laughs) Man. All right. So he comes in and he says those words to you. What were your initial thoughts? I could physically and gutturally feel my soul tear because marriage is, it's a body, mind, spirit unity. And so that's brought together. And I literally could feel like the tearing of my soul. I was in shock. And that's the really beginning stage of the grief where you're, you're just numb. And then there's denial. Like, wait, no, this is not happening to me. Like, wait a minute. I was a good girl. I did all the things right. I'm a, an awesome wife. I was a rock star wife. Like, and then there's, you know, I'm not really an emotional outburst drama kind of person, but a lot of ugly crying happened. And then, I'm not an angry person either, but bitterness is a form of anger. And I got really bitter. I was like, wait a minute. I was a good wife. I'm an awesome mom. I was a loyal wife. I was a provider. I, you know, and I just was like angry, like how, how, why, you know, all the questions and, and then fear kind of sets in <laughs> where you're yes. like, well, what is, how do I tell my mom? What does my future look like? What happens to the kids? I just ruined their lives, you know, and, or he ruined our lives and, but then you start to search again where you're like, okay, let me just, you know, I'm, I'm a doer. I'm a responsible person. How does this all work and fit together? And, and then there's the chaos where things just, you know, blow up. He leaves and you know, you're selling the house and divorce is called a life event for a reason because there's so many moving parts. And I had never been a person who panicked before. I can't say I had like a panic attack or anxiety, but it happened. I mean, I ground my teeth down to nothing. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't breathing. And you just go through all those stages of grief, including guilt, including rejection, um, loneliness, isolation. I was depressed for a long time. I had never been depressed in my life. I was depressed. (laughs) And so you can't skip any of those stages if you want to, you know, get to a healthy place and not keep revisiting fear or panic or anger or So I I took a two-year sabbatical where I literally made healing my job and I did all the things. You know, I went to divorce care. I was in prayer groups. I was at the Bible studies. I went on the retreats. I was at the conferences, read the books, listened to the TED Talk. I mean, I was like, (laughs) how am I stopping this pain? How do I not do this again? What was my part in this? And so I, I took it seriously. So what do you think your outlook, your outlet was that helped you turn the corner? My outlet, well, for me, it was definitely my faith. I don't know how people do without God. I mean, that was just a miracle for me. I mean, the miraculous kept showing up when I would cry out. I knew that, okay, there's something bigger than me because if I'm all there is, then this is a pretty sad life that, you know, really isn't worth a whole lot. But for me, it was my faith. God kept showing up. And I've been 35 years in fitness, nutrition, and wellness. So I kept that going. Every morning I still got up and I got in the gym and I had my green drink and I did all the healthy things. I made sure I was sleeping. I don't know how people go through divorce or really hard things if they're not healthy, body, mind, and spirit. 
So I had that on my side. I was physically healthy while I was emotionally trying to put all the pieces back together, but my finances were good. I always did very well professionally. So money wasn't an issue and health wasn't an issue, but it was relationally and emotionally. So those buckets, you know, kind of dropped, but thankfully I had support, I had community. So you want to try and keep all those wellness areas a 10 as much as possible so that when one or two go south, it's not a crisis in every area of your life. So when you started telling people in your circle, what were their reactions? Um, I think a lot of people were shocked. First of all, it happened so quickly. I mean, when people started to see his pictures on social media with his new wife and it, I mean, literally like we were just with you on the bleachers, like last season, Whoa, we missed the whole chapter of your life. What happened? So because it was so quick, I think other people were really shocked. And I think people thought we were a happy couple. And also there were people who said, he did you a favor. I didn't think that you were ever a match. And at the time, it felt really hurtful yes. because it wasn't the story I wanted. This, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. And I didn't know it at the time, but the people who were saying, you'll be better off. Again, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't believe it. I thought it was mean and cruel. But standing here now on the other side, I can say, thank God it's not my life being married to that person. And nothing against him. I've forgiven him. I have moved on. Uh, he's remarried for years now. I literally bless him and his wife. I hope till death do they part, they're happy. Like I mean that with every ounce of my being. I, I hold nothing against him. But it took a lot of deep work to get here. All right. So so let's dive into that deep work. Because now that now that we got the what happened, the what you went through, how did you I mean, I know you said you stepped into your faith, but what other things did you do that maybe someone listening who's in the process of going through this can start maybe putting those, those steps in place. Yeah. Um, I would say first, and they didn't happen in this order, but the clients that I work with now, I really understand the priority of this. One is really your identity. So my identity was as a wife, as a mom, I lived in a multi-million dollar neighborhood, you know, all, all the things that I thought were my world that crumbled in an instant where you have to go, okay, if, all the things are taken away, whether it's your job title, whatever it might be, that's temporary. Who are you authentically as you stand there if all the things are stripped away? So you've gone bankrupt. I mean, whatever it is, there you are. And who are you without the, the, the purse and the shoes and the car and the luxury trips and whatever? So you really have to be strong. And, and again, for me, it's, it's my faith. The second thing was forgiveness. And you would think in the case of divorce, it's forgiving your ex. And that's definitely part of it. But really the biggest part is forgiving yourself. Yes. And if you're the one who left, you carry a lot of guilt for breaking up your family. You carry a lot of shame for breaking up your family. Yes. And the person who left thought about it on average for two years. So they really have a two-year jumpstart on the person who was potentially blindsided. The person who was left, they feel rejected, massive rejection that you have to overcome. So you really need to, you know, be able to forgive yourself for, I felt like a failure because I, you know, <laughs> again, I did all the right things. This wasn't supposed to happen. I was, you know, revered in my field and, and all the things, but it did happen. So I can't look at it as a failure, just like I've had, you know, many businesses through the years. Some worked, some didn't. This didn't. It doesn't mean I am a failure. It means it failed. 
Yes. So you have to forgive yourself and, you know, get to those highest levels of forgiveness where you can say, you know what? I bless the person who hurt me. I'm not going to waste my time holding grudges because that's going to eat me alive. Yes. And then another one was uh, renewing your mind because you can sit there all day long and just tell that story over and over and over. And you think everyone needs to know it. You keep replaying it. And it may have been a horrible story. It could have been unjust. It could have been unfair. I mean, accidents happen. People are deceived. Partners will you know, steal your money. I mean, terrible things can happen. They could have nothing to do with you. Your neighbor left a candle on, their house burned down, your house burned down too. But you have to renew your mind. Like stop telling that story over. Like the quicker you can stop that. Like, And I'll tell people decide, okay, how long do you want to tell this story? It'd be really sad. Do you want to do it a day, a week, a month? You want to do it six years? Like, And then the next part is um, after you renew your mind is the self-love. And that's where you need to pour back in. Like, okay, fill yourself with truth. Fill yourself with good stuff. Take care of you. Be kind to you. Be your biggest cheerleader. And then do the practical things. Meditate. Get a massage. Get out in nature. Go for a while. Like, really care for you like you would, you know, your mom, your best friend, or someone you really cared about. And then I would also say gratitude. I know it seems like, you know, such a kindergarten thing to say, but that was such a superpower for me when I started and made the decision that every day I'm going to live in gratitude. I got a notebook and I promised myself that I would not go to bed at night until I filled the page with things I was thankful for. And at first it was very mechanical. It was like, I had my vitamins, walked the dog, you know, it was just like, check, check, check. But then something shifted and I started going throughout my day going, okay, you have got to find things to write in your book tonight that you were thankful for. And I'm like, wow, I got to talk to this neighbor today. I got to meet this new person. I got to, you know, pay my cleaning lady and bless her family. And, you know, I just started to look for things. And before I knew it, I started to receive things like people were buying me lunch or giving me tickets or taking me to a concert and the more I was grateful, the more I started to receive. And it was like this flow just started coming back in. So that was another step. And I know I'm going through these quickly, so feel free to stop me. Yeah, I actually just want, want to piggyback yeah. on a couple things that you said about gratitude. Because gratitude gets taken for granted. You know, it's like gratitude is what got me through my father's passing. You know, so instead of, instead of mourning his loss, I was gracious that I had a father for 45 years. You know, he was very involved with us. You know, he was at everything. And so my, now one of my brothers, I'm one of seven, seven kids, but one of my brothers, he just didn't want to accept the reality, you know, and it's just the difference between the two approaches is like, he went down, I mean, like he didn't do anything like dangerous, dangerous, but he just went down a mental dark path where he was just disengaged he didn't want to be around anyone. He didn't want to talk to anyone. He put some weight on. You know, he just went down this dark, dark path. And towards the end, I just started to embrace it. Like once I knew things weren't looking good and I just started reflecting on all the things he was there, the talks we would have, the life lessons, the, the support when I decided to, to go into fitness from the restaurant industry. And just the more and more kind of like how you were saying about filling up your notebook, just the more and more I thought about those good things, I was like, how can I be sad about this? He, he was almost 80. He he got the bill. He fixed my mother's car the day before he went he went to the hospital. 
you know what I mean? It's like, it, and he always said he didn't want to be an old man. <laughs> you know, he like he he wants to build. He's like, when I can't build anymore, that's going to be my time to go. And he got it. <laughs> you know, it's like so. So for us who are still here, yeah, you know, we feel you know the weight the weight of his loss. But he got what he wanted. It's like how how can I be upset about that? Yeah, no, it's a beautiful perspective. So much is in the perspective. And I, sorry, you lost your dad. I lost my dad too, so I can kind of you know relate to how that feels. But. Yeah we look and we honor his life. Like he was a wise man. And, you know, even at the funeral where people come up and tell you things that you never even knew about your dad or because of your dad that I got into this business, or if it wasn't for your dad, I'd be on drugs or, Mm -hmm. you know, and and just hearing and honoring their life is really the best thing we can do. Cause you're right. It's, we're all going to die. It's, it's going to end at some point and today's never happening again. So let's make the most of today. Like this is all we get. None of us are promised tomorrow. Yep. So, so true. And, in dealing and dealing with any with any type of pain, it's like I've, I've said said on, on this show on multiple times that pain is pain. You know, because pe- people think that you have to talk to someone that's been through the exact same pain as you. And, and I mean, if you have a difference of opinion, feel free feel free to share it. But I think no matter what it is, you're coming back from the steps are very similar. You know, whether you're going through a divorce, say you get fired from a job you were at for the last 30 years, you know, um, there, there's so many different levels. If someone was in a, um, if someone gets assaulted, I mean, they, you have physical pain, you still have psychological trauma, but at some point in there, you have to stop letting it hurt you. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I can say that because I have not been through all things and we can't, obviously, you know, we don't know exactly what certain things feel like unless we've been through it. If you haven't had an abortion, if your house hasn't burnt down, if you, you know, you can't know, but you build compassion and empathy for people who have been through pain. And I believe you can help them because getting on the other side of the healthy readjustment is actually helping others to adjust to their loss. And that's part of helping you to adjust to your loss. I remember I was in you know New York and New Jersey for 9-11 And unless you were there, you know, it's like the hurricane that just happened. Unless you were in the hurricane, you don't really know. So your life is just going on and it's sunny and cheery and you go to work and you've got power and your place isn't destroyed. And I remember after 9-11, we had a trip to the Bahamas and literally three weeks later, we're just sitting there and everyone's got their umbrella drinks and the music's going. Everyone's hanging out in the pool in bikinis and you know, all she could think about is the ashes and the people with flags on their cars and gone but not forgotten and all the people who ran to the city to help. And so I know when friends of mine had gotten divorced before I was divorced, I didn't understand the depth of the pain. I was not a good friend, to be honest. I just I had no idea how it rips your life apart and, you know, breaks your heart and soul and your kids need to find a place to figure things out. And I just didn't know how to be the right friend, how to help, what to do. And so this has definitely helped me. And now I believe I can apply it to just about any area, even if I haven't personally experienced the loss of a child or, you know, I just feel like certain people are anointed for certain things because they have gone through them. So if you've never lost a parent, both your parents are alive, you might not totally get what it's like to lose a dad for example, but I still feel like you can be very empathetic and, you know, counselors do it all the time. They're, they're trained to do it, but something about being ahead of someone and having walked before them that I think is really powerful. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. Cause um, you know, in the sports world, they always say the best ability is availability. 
And I, I would say in the storytelling world, speaking world, the best ability is relatability. You know, so obviously as a, as a fitness coach, like I've coached many, many, many pregnant women. And it's like, I can tell a woman what she's going to feel every step of that pregnancy, but they don't want to hear that from me. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I can take them through it, but you can take them through it with relatability, you know? So right. like from, from a storytelling standpoint, so what I've, what I've figured out is with, with the stories, yes, you definitely won't feel the actual pain that, that someone feels, whether it's losing a parent, losing a child, you know, having your whole world turned upside down in divorce. But where you can bond is the picking up of the pieces. Like, that's what, what I found. I, I worked with a, with a woman who she watched her childhood love commit suicide. And now I've, I've never... I couldn't imagine seeing anything like that. But as we were bouncing off of each other, the, the healing path was in alignment, you know, because it starts with you got to feel all the feels, like you said earlier, you know, the six stages of, of grief. But then you've got to have that realization, I can't let this keep hurting me, you know. So in that moment, it doesn't really matter what you're going through. That moment is the relatability moment. Because I can talk about, I mean, I know you lost your dad too, but I could talk about the loss of my dad. You could talk about going through your divorce and how we pick up the pieces is the same. That's why it says up above us, your true power lies in your story. Because people don't know how many people they can inspire just from sharing what you've gone through in your life. Yeah, I mean, that that's why we're here. We're not here to be isolated. We're here to be in community. We're here to be in connection. So going out every day and looking for the places of, you know, where can I plug in? Where can I help someone? Where can I encourage someone, especially this season of life, this time in the world where people are so stressed and so discouraged and so helpless and so hopeless, they need all the light and the encouragement that they can get from other people. So if someone comes alongside me and goes, you know what, you're not the only one or here, let me tell you my story. You can get through this and more. And that encourages me when I think about other people and I'm like, wow, I, I have nothing to complain about. Like I've got arms and legs, I've got Wi-Fi, I've got, you know, and I just, it doesn't take long for me to get into that gratitude mode of, wow, you know, my, my kids are alive and healthy and, you know, it yeah. just, there's so much to be thankful for, even if you don't feel like you have anything. I mean, if you're listening to this, you have technology, you've got Wi-Fi, you've got a screen, you, you know, you've got something that you can do something with. It's true. I tell people too, that no matter how bad your day is going, it was like, there's someone that's about to take their last breath that would kill to have your day. You know, it's like, yeah. like whatever I'm, I'm, cause I'm just as human as everyone else. You know, there were, there were days where I'm like, man, and, but then I quickly pull myself right back out of it. I was like, I definitely, definitely can't be, can't be complaining. You know, like I control, control my own schedule. I, I have my, my own five kids, you know, I can walk. I do at 48 years old. And after seven, seven surgeries, I'm still an athlete. I'm still a competitive athlete. Like I, I have a lot, a lot to be grateful for. So like, there's absolutely no reason for me to be wallowing in pity <laughs> at all. I agree. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I try and do with my coaching clients is get them up and resilient and back on their feet as quickly as possible. Cause no one's going to look back on their life and say, I wish I was depressed longer. I wish I had spent more time being angry. And why did I give up that bitterness so quick? Like, I wish I stayed Mm -hmm. in unforgiveness and regret and shame and rejection. Like, that would have been better if I did that an extra three years. 
It's so true. So you said, so after your divorce, how long did it take for you to become a certified divorce coach? Well, I, I've always been a knowledge person. I have three college degrees and I have 34 certifications. I mean, I just wow. love to learn. So I got certified as a divorce coach for me initially. This yeah. was because I wanted to have deeper understanding and I learned a lot taking that certified divorce course. And I got to a point where one of my goals was to get two kids in college. They were going into their junior and senior year of high school when my former husband left. And that day came and it was August and I got two kids off to two schools. I'm like, okay, check the boxes. They're in the schools they want. They have cars. They have new cell phones. They have new computers. They, my son was set up for baseball. My daughter's an equestrian. Like I felt like I did everything that I could do to set them up for success. And I was like, Oh, okay. Did it. And it took three years, you know, to get to that point. So I was like, okay, now what? And I really felt led that I was supposed to help women walk them from grief to great. This would have not been my intention. This was not my desire. This isn't something on my own. I would have ever thought of, but I really felt a strong impression to do this. And I've been a coach, you know, my whole life, but it was mostly in the fitness, nutrition, wellness realm. And I really added relationship coaching to it. So I created a program. I took four months and I looked at what were the things that really moved the needle for me over the you know two to three years that I had been healing that I wish I knew that had I had these tools and known this information, man, I, it would have been a lot easier, a lot less painful, a lot faster, a lot more joyful. And so I put together a program that I call Intentionally Fabulous, and it's redefining your life as a single person. And you have this whole bonus life now. Like, what are you going to do with this? And how quickly can you get to a place where being single is awesome and you can enjoy it? Will you always grieve your family? Probably. Just like you miss your dad, even though in a healthy way you can honor his life. You'd love to be able to call him and have, you know, lunch with him on Sunday or go to a game or whatever. Like there's always going to be a part of you that misses that. So yes, it's not what I thought, but I'm going to make something great of this. And I wasn't in any rush to go out and start dating or, you know, just fill that space with another man. I really wanted to strongly feel confident and empowered and bold on my own. I didn't want to need a man to have to make me feel, you know, complete or whole or, you know, to just jump back into that again. So I've intentionally taken, it's been five years now, um, to just be whole and healed on my own that I wanted to become the best version of me. So when that man does come along, I'm my best possible self and he's only going to add to that. So um, nobody's rescuing me or, you know, needs to pull me up but I'm the strongest, most confident, empowered version of me possible with or without another person. Love it. That's awesome. We should have, we should have ended with that one. (laughs) (laughs) There must be more to come then. (laughs) Intentionally fabulous. I love that name. How, How did you come up with that? So, uh, I guess it was four years ago. Now, a friend of mine is a marketing expert and things get so divinely orchestrated. He happened, he's from the UK and he happened to be here sort of what I call godsidently between (laughs) Christmas and new year. So he just had the week in Dallas before he was going from like London to California, wherever. So he's like, who do I know in Dallas? So he calls me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. So he came over and I told him about this idea for divorce coaching. And we sat down for a good part of that week and we really worked through, you know, 
who am I and where am I going and how do I bridge the gap and what's it going to take to get there? And he did all these exercises with me that he now uses with world-class clients all over the place, but it helped me to see who I was and where I was going and that I had not yet arrived personally at Intentionally Fabulous. But that's how we came up with it through branding exercises with uh, my friend, Roy Smooth, who is a branding expert in the UK and internationally. Nice. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I remember when, who, who connected us? Was it Dr. Amy, Amy Novotny. Amy, Amy, okay. Yeah, yeah when um, <laughs> she sent me your, your info, I saw that I saw that name, I'm like, we're going to hit it off. Because <laughs> yeah. I constantly say, when people say, how are you? Like, I am fabulous. Like, that's right. always... It's always my, my response. That's like, my barometer for life. Like, I don't want to do it unless it's fabulous. I don't want to wear it unless it's fabulous. I don't yeah. want to be with the people unless, you know, I I just want things to be, fa- I don't want ordinary. I don't want, you know, just same old, same old. Like, let's go above and beyond. Let's get out of the comfort zone. Let's push the limits. See, I'm glad you said that too, because people are afraid to say that. Because people are, and, and people are afraid to tell their stories in general, but people yeah. are afraid to say that out of fear of being labeled. And I'm like, what, why do you care about someone else's label? <laughs> you know, I, I always say, I, I mean, I don't want to sound, sound like a hypocrite, but I do a, I do a debate show also. And, you know, I'm very, I'm very opinionated in, in, in my stances. Right. But as humans, we have opinions, <laughs> you know, so there are things I see and I want to talk about the things that I see. And, you know, you know, my stances aren't always, aren't always received well, which is okay. <laughs> you know, it's like people can disagree. It's not a problem. It's like, you don't have to call me names and all this other stuff. But, but anyway, so getting back into to share, to sharing your story, I think people get afraid because I actually did a Facebook post. This was maybe a year and a half ago, asking people what's the, the number one thing holding you back from telling your story. And of course, fear, fear was up there. But some of the ones that stood out to me was not being relevant, not being understood, and then of course just the the, the actual anxiety of speaking. And so, do do you help people with that as well? Um, yeah, I, I definitely teach people to own their story. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's, I mean, the guy I was working with the other night was very blatantly talking about pornography and how he got into it and how a lot of people get into it is because they were abused as children. And so that's, you know, just a progression that happens. And so he now goes out and talks to young men specifically about pornography and abuse. And so from the pain comes the passion, you know, and from the passion can come the the profit and the, you know, profit isn't always money, but it's you multiplying out your, your difficulty that now you're using that to help other people. And there's so many people who get on the stage and because they are vulnerably willing to share their story, that's what touches people's hearts. They don't necessarily remember the facts, but they remember the story and they're like, wow, if that person got up and overcame that, I can do that. One of my friends is uh, Nick Wojciechek. He was born with no arms and no legs. His oh, yeah. um, yeah, life without limits, life without no. limbs. Yeah, he's married to one of my dear friends. And, you know, I think about Nick. He's he's spoken in 38 countries in the last couple of years, even with COVID. I'm like, okay, he's got no arms and no legs. And he's willing to get up there every day and speak to presidents and prisons and everyone in between. He judges no one. He just goes because of his story, encourages one more person to get up and live 
then it's worth him traveling the world and leaving his you know family of four to go do that. It's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's the one that swims, right? With no arms and no legs? He does swim. Okay. He swims, he golfs, he does everything. <laughs> See, I always tell people that there's no such thing as try. It, it's will and won't. It's like either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Now, you can you can do something and it doesn't work, like you said earlier. But I always say your eye has, ha- your eye has to stay on the prize. You know, so the way you draw up something, nine times out of ten, especially in business, is not going to go as you planned it, more than likely, you know, you're going to hit some, some curveballs, you're going to hit some, some detours. And as long as your eye is on, on the goal, like when I started my gym, I was so far behind the eight ball. Cause unlike you with all of your education, I dropped out of college three times. Right? So it's like, I didn't have a business background. I didn't have a marketing background or any of that stuff. I, I just knew that I was good at getting people to believe in themselves and people were getting results. So, I just, I just stepped into that. And then over time, someone approached me and was like, Hey, you want to open up your own place? You know, we might be be able to help you. Like I would have never thought that that would happen. So I was able to get the gym opened, you know, from two private, private guys who, who put up the cash to outfit the gym, paid them back about a little under, under a year and a half, I want to say. And boom, this whole world opened up that, I, it wasn't the plan. <laughs> I was like, I was just trying to do do a side side hustle, something fun to get me out of the restaurant industry. Because at the time, my five kids were all little, and so it, it you know restaurant hours are brutal, and I was just coming home salty and burnt out. So I turned to fitness as an outlet for me to manage my own stress and stuff. And then it just started blossoming and blossoming. <laughs> it's craziness yeah. how that works when you focus on stuff. Absolutely. Some things are being divinely orchestrated that we don't even realize at the time, but we just feel the pull towards something or away from something and just keep taking one step, one step, one step in the direction. And in time and with intention, it can turn into something really beautiful and powerful. Yeah. See, I want to use another fitness example. And with your fitness background, you'll totally get this as well. And I was speaking with someone the other day because she she fluctuates with her weight loss. And like, you know, she'll come in, she'll drop 25 pounds, she, she gets cocky, and, you know, she ends up putting it back on, and so on and so forth. And I told her, I was like, you keep doing this, I said, because there's a difference, you know, to what you just said. I was like, with me, you know, I train because I'm an athlete. Like, I don't train for my physical look. Like, I train so when I get out there on the basketball court, I can hang with the 20-year-olds, right? That, that's why I train. I said, you train because you're running away from gaining weight. I'm running towards my athletic ability. So it's easier for me to stay focused because I'm running towards something. Like you're running away from something. I said, if you stepped into wanting to be fit instead of not wanting to be fat, it's a different mindset. You know, it's a totally different mindset. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I've worked with tens of thousands of people through the years, but if they have a big enough why, like I want to stop this inflammation or, you know, my hair is falling out or, you know, my joints are just, you know, I look like an old person. And, and then the nice side effect is when you do all the healthy, natural biohacking things, oh, and the scale went down 25 pounds. It's like, okay, that wasn't the motivator. It was the rash that I've had because of gluten or, you know, whatever. But now yeah, I'm feeling fit and sexy. Like that's the benefit. 
Yes. And and wouldn't you want to keep feeling that? You know, like people who, yes. who, are, who are successful, you know, you do the things to keep yourself successful. Yes. <laughs> you know? so I'll never understand how people can lose 25 pounds and then put it back on. I know. I, I've actually been the same size since high school. <laughs> so people, get, people get mad at me, but I'm like, this, this is it. This is the size I've been. Yeah. So. Hey, let them, let them hate. Cause it's the same thing, same thing with me. Like my siblings would always tell me, cause uh, I'm, I'm the youngest. And they would always tell me, wait, wait till you turn 30, wait till you turn 35, wait till you turn 40. Now it's like, wait till you turn 50. I'm like, well, I'm 48 and still crushing it. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's like you lose it when you don't use it. I totally agree. Yeah, right? no, I, I look at, I've not been to a high school reunion, but, you know, just looking at friends my age or people my age and even younger, it's like, wow, um, it makes a difference how you take care of yourself. Yes. It really, really does. Yeah, um, going back to what you said in the beginning about self self care, like self care is I don't want to say it's like it's a cure all, but it definitely makes dealing with the rigors of life so much easier when you're taking care of you're better you're better ready to deal with whatever life throws at you. Because like if you're out of shape, if you have low energy, if you have low self esteem, you know you don't have the confidence, which in turn is going to hurt your resilience. When the storm comes, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. If you're coming from an empty place, you have nothing to get. Like if you've given everything to everyone you've loved and cared for everyone else and you've given it all to your job and your kids and your family, there's nothing left. So unless you keep pouring back love and peace and health and you got to pour that in to give it. Otherwise, you're empty and then you're no good to anyone. You're going to get sick and you're going to have no energy and you're not going to sleep and you're going to get diseased and all those things. Why would you want to do that? Pour good things into you for you, but for everyone you come into contact with, it's going to just radiate out to them. Yes. It's what, one of the first things I tell people in the fitness consultations that you have to prioritize you. And I'm like, when you're, when you're happy, healthy, and feeling great about yourself, don't you think everyone in your circle benefits? Yeah, I mean, we are energy. There's a scale of energy. And the highest is that love, joy, peace, patience. You know, that's the highest place to live. The lowest is victim. And that victim energy, you can measure it. It's actually equivalent to a decaying body. So when someone walks in the room who's woes me, you know, Eeyore, they got the cloud over their head. And, you know, the world is happening to me. There's nothing I could do. You don't know my story. You feel that energy when they walk in the room. It's like, what? Yeah. Versus when someone walks in the room and it's like, boom, like life and alive <laughs> and energy and game on. That's because they're operating on the highest possible levels from their soul to their cells and out. I mean, your energy field goes beyond. You want a big energy field so that when you walk in a room on a stage, it just booms out. That's what I miss about speaking live. I mean, I love I love speaking virtually. Like I just spoke virtually in England and Australia, but like when you're live on stage, there's to me there's just nothing like that feeling yeah. to have all those eyes just locked onto you. Because like I'm a very I'll call myself a captivating speaker. Because you know there's different there's different types of speakers, but like mine's very very high energy, and it's just such a rush. You know, it's such a rush. Like my kids will try, will try to say if we're playing basketball or something, they'll try to yell and wave and stuff. And I was like, I've competed in front of 
thousands of people. <laughs> like, you kids <laughs> will not break me. So, like, I competed in track and field in front of thousands of people. Like, I feed off of that energy. And so, like, That's I try to nice. be that light for, for whoever the audience is whenever I'm speaking. Like, it's such an amazing feeling. That's right. Yeah. And you, you can see it when people perform, you just know the one who's got that good energy versus the ones who are intimidated or just, you know, frozen on stage. <laughs> it's so true. All right. So let people know how they can get in touch with you. What is your programs like or what other programs do you have? Yeah. I mean, Kelly Calabrese, Kelly with an I, Calabrese at all the places. So you can find me there, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, all, all the places, Instagram, if they specifically are someone going through any stages of separation, divorce, post-divorce, they can find it on my kellycalabrese.com page or go to intentionallyfabulous.com. I do have a private page for anyone who wants to join and I pour into there every day. So if you're hurting, whether you're just thinking about getting divorced, you're separated, even if you're seven years down the road and you still are checking his social media, you know, go <laughs> there and get healed and move on. So um, that's just a free page that I, I really pour a lot into that every day. And yeah, I, I speak. So anyone who has a corporation that, you know, wants someone to come out and speak, I'm happy to do that. So yeah, they can find me pretty easily. Awesome. And I'm pretty, pretty sorry this isn't the last that we're, we're going to hear of you. Because uh, I have so much, so much more that we, we could go over. But uh, I try to try to cap it at 45 minutes. All right. Well, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for all you do to bring your show to the world. The world needs more positive messages. Thank you. Um, don't sign out yet because uh, I want to go, go over some stuff with, with you as soon as I end the live. Okay. All right. But thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Right. So that was Kelly. If you're just now tuning in, make sure you go back and watch the entire thing because she dropped a whole lot of good information here. So if you're going through something, if you're going through a separation, going through a divorce, you definitely want to check this out. All right. So I'll be back again tomorrow as well. And just a reminder about my program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud. If you're going through stuff, and you want to tell the story about said stuff, right? So I don't operate on the medical side of things. So if you need a therapist or a, or a counselor, seek that. But after those services, if you want to take your story and get it out to the world, let me know. I got you. Other than that, I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.